if there are people who are like you, they become a mentor to you, you get seen, you feel like the company has seen who you are as a person. And I know that there's somebody at the company who's just like me who succeeded, and now they have a vested interest in me succeeding. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Eric Rogel, founder of the Boldman Initiative and Mentors on Mission, as well as the host of the Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes podcast. Over the last 20 plus years, Eric Rogel has shared his hard-earned wisdom with audiences, inspiring and guiding thousands of ambitious men and women to find their purpose and passion in life. Eric is a highly sought after and renowned speaker whose presence, personality, and approachability have captivated audiences around the world. Having interviewed hundreds of celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, military veterans, and others, getting them to dive deep into their stories and the lessons, challenges, and triumphs they experienced, Eric has collected a treasure trove of insights that paint a picture of what great leaders are made of and how critical it is to have strong, influential mentors to guide us along the path. Eric's passion for helping business leaders achieve their dream lives and legacy, both professionally and personally, is fueled by a commitment to unlocking and unleashing the greatness in others. Eric has been featured in Forbes, Discovery.com, NPR, the New York Daily News, and many other leading publications. His most recent book, Lions Raised His Lambs, was released in the spring-summer of 2023. Listen in for some great takeaways about the importance of mentorship and how to tap into your purpose and passion. I have the pleasure of being with Eric Rogel today, the founder of the Boldman Initiative and Mentors on a Mission, as well as the host of the Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes podcast. Welcome to the show, Eric. Oh, thanks so much, man. It's a pleasure and honor to be here with you today. Yeah, amazing. I thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here with us today. And what I want to do is give our listeners a little bit of background and understanding of who you are and what brought you to founding the Boldman Initiative, as well as Mentors on a Mission. And we'll go in deeper on that in our conversation. But what got you to that point as far as founding those two organizations? I have a pretty wide and varied background. I've done a bunch of stuff that's out there, including working for a financial publishing company. Uh, I was a journalist for a long time, journalist, author. And one of the things for me, Larry, was growing up, I was an angry kid. I was a disillusioned kid. I was a rudderless kid. I had no direction, no discipline, a lot of 
anger and frustration. And a lot of it stemmed from the fact that I didn't have really strong, solid mentors growing up. I was raised by a single mom. I joke around, Larry, that she raised me like a veal. I had to be very soft and tender and I couldn't get bumped or bruised. So it was sit in a quarter quietly and read or draw or one of those things. And it was frustrating for me because I knew that that's not really who I was. I wasn't soft and tender and I knew that I wanted to, that there was more. And as I got older, I realized I needed some men in my life to kind of show me the way, right? Guide me, give me discipline, kind of kick me in the butt and get me back on track when I would veer off and, you know, do dumb stuff. I found some of these men and I found that being around them, being near them, learning from them really added such a richness to my life. It took away a lot of the anger and the frustration. And it was like, okay, I'm not the only one. So as I got older and went through a series, like I said, my career as a journalist for a while, a writer, I was a creative director for magazines, worked for financial publishing company. I said, there are so many men that are out there that are feeling the same thing I am. And so many women that are out there that come to me and they say they feel it in the men in their lives that I decided to kind of do this full time and write about it, work with men one-on-one, work with men in groups go into companies and show them how incredibly valuable having mentors in their company are, whether it's a formal program or just encourage some of the senior executives to guide some of the junior executives or have team leaders mentor the team that's underneath them. And the results of this are just so inspiring and motivating when you see the growth in someone just from that little bit of wisdom. And I always say wisdom because wisdom comes from experience and sharing your own experiences and these battle scars that we've earned over our career, which we hate when they're happening, but are so valuable to us down the road because we can share those and we can kind of guide those behind us. So that was what really drove me. And I will tell you that the experience of doing it, the experience of having mentors, there's absolutely nothing like it. Let's talk about that. Obviously, for you, having a mentor in your life, single family, household, mom raising you, you didn't have the father figure there. And to your own testament, mentors were a very vital component of you getting from where you were to where you are today. I'm a big proponent of mentors. I think that many times people are asked to be mentors and they kind of first glance, I don't have the time, I don't have the effort. What am I going to get out of this? And and many times I found mentoring folks, I've gotten just as much being a mentor as being a mentee and vice versa. So why do you think having a mentor can be so pivotal? Obviously, it was something that worked for you. Why should others be thinking about this as well? I think it's essential. I mean, like you say, it's pivotal. I agree a thousand percent, and that's why it's so essential. And I love what you said about getting more out of being a mentor than a mentee. There are studies out there, and I did the whole deep dive thing into all the statistics and the numbers, and I won't bore you, but every single statistic, and I think Harvard Business Review did a long-term study, I want to say 50 years, on the effects of mentorship. And one of the things they found was mentors actually get 
more benefit than the mentees do. I believe it. And it's not just career. Everyone thinks if I'm going to be a mentor, I have to guide somebody's career or I have to have a certain number of connections or I've got to make introductions. And it's not really about that. It's more about just sharing your wisdom. You've had these experiences. Everyone has had them. Everyone has made mistakes, screw ups, mess ups, face challenges that, that got the better of them. And we feel that they're failures. They're not failures. They're really valuable experiences that we can fail share. Fail forward. Exactly. Fail forward fast. I worked for a company once and that was like their motto, fail forward fast. And you have to fail. It's part of life. You have to, but you have to understand like in my world and when I work with my executives and their teams is it's not wins and losses. It's wins and learns. That L is for learn. So it's Look at what you felt was a loss or a failure. And then what did you learn from it? What lessons did you take from that failure? And then how is that going to move you forward even faster? Well, it works for people that we're working with, people that work under us, work next to us. We can mentor them by sharing and being really open and vulnerable to a degree. And I call it vulnerability from strength because you're coming from, hey, man, Larry, here's what happened to me. Something similar happened to me. And here's what happened. Here's what I did about it. And then here was the result I got. So I'm not telling you, it's not advice. Advice is like, hey, Larry, you know what you should do? On your podcast, you should do this and you should do that. And right away, you're like, dude, what am I listening to you for? Right? The defenses go up with the shoulds. We don't want to should. But when you share that experience, right, then it's a different story. You're like, wow. All right. So Eric's telling me this story. Here's what happened to him. I'm going to take this and this and this from that. And that's going to move me forward faster. And what they found in these studies is not only do this, does the mentee accelerate their career and their life, but so does the mentor. And it's not just career. It's also mental. It's also physical health. There's, they see less stress, less anxiety, less heart disease, less mental health issues, all of that from being a mentor and a mentee. And I believe personally, you should be both at the same time. I think to some degree, we have to reframe this whole concept, right? It's like we always used to say practice makes perfect, which really sets you up for failure. Now, the terminology is practice makes permanent, right? And same thing here. I think we have to get people understanding that there aren't wins and losses per se. There's wins and learns. And I think that framework helps tremendously. Now, I know there are people out there that are thinking, okay, well, you know what? Maybe I want to be a mentor or maybe I'm looking for a mentor. Experience share yourself, right? How have you found your mentors and what do you have advice-wise or what experience can you share with those that may be seeking a mentor? How do they go about doing that? Great, great question. And I've got endless stories we could fill five podcasts with, but I'll give you a couple good ones. Okay. For me, like I said, raised by a single mom, dad was around. So dad wasn't completely out of the picture, but they were divorced. So days with dad was fun time. So he wasn't a disciplinarian. He wasn't guiding. It was like, hey, I only get you every other weekend. So we're going to have a good time, which was great, but it wasn't teaching me anything, right? I wasn't learning to be the man I, what you I really, needed. He gave you what you wanted, but not necessarily what you needed. Amen. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things was, you got to remember, I grew up, you know, it was in like the seventies, late seventies, mid to late seventies. And I grew up in New York and there was this commercial. I want to say the guy's name was Jerome Mackey, but it was like this judo school. 
And it was so cool. Like back then, martial, like now taking kids to Taekwondo is normal. It's as normal as going to soccer. Back then it was weird. It was crazy. My mom didn't know what it was. And she's like, no, you're never doing that. You're going to get killed. You're going to die. You're going to, you know, it's that kind of feel. So when I got to college, the first thing I did literally was the first night and I'm away at school. It's the first night I'm in the dining hall line. There's like a bulletin board up and they have all the clubs that you can join, right? I'm freshman, all these clubs. Had to be called a club. They couldn't call it a class or a school. If they were on campus, had to be a club. And they had a Taekwondo club. And they had the little, back then it was like, you couldn't scan your phone like with a Q code. You had to like actually tear off the little piece of paper and then go back to your dorm room later and call the number. That was a really bold move for me back then because I was scared of everything. I was raised in a culture of fear. In my next book, I talk about being raised in a culture of fear versus a culture of courage. Courage allows you to fail. Courage allows you like, yeah, man, you're going to get bumped and bruised and you're going to scrape up your knees and whatever, but you're going to learn from it, right? That's courage. Go be bold. I was raised in a culture of fear where like everything's going to hurt you. Everything's going to make you sick or kill you or whatever. So stay away from it. So for me, this was a really bold, courageous move for me to call this number. And I joined the school. And, and two things happened. One, I learned I really liked getting bumped and bruised and breaking bones and getting bloody. It just felt natural. It was part of my growth, right? To push past that comfort and get into that. And number two, the guy who was the head instructor, and I only knew him as Mr. Johnson. That's what we call them, Mr. Johnson. And he was that very masculine, but not like overbearing bully. He was just very in command of himself. He was in command of the class. He was the guy. And I started to model him, emulate him. And essentially he became like my first role model mentor. And I realized what I got out of that. And then for me, it became a journey of who can I find that will do this? So that one was kind of accidental. The mentor that I have now, I have a main mentor now, his name is Rob James. And he, he was raised in a culture of courage. He was on a cattle ranch from age nine until he turned 18 and then he joined the Marines. So like he was the opposite of me. And I've learned more from that man in the last decade than I have my whole life. That to me is in a nutshell, what I've gotten from it. Now, how does someone go about finding a mentor? They're everywhere. And I will tell you, and I, I don't know if you've had this experience, but somebody comes to you and they just, they may not say it formally, like I'd like you to mentor me. It might be, hey, can I just ask you a few questions? Pick your brain is the one thing I get all the time. I want to pick your brain. Which I hate that phrase. It's just <laughs> a weird phrase. Just ask me outright. You have some questions. You yeah, want to chat like, to listen, see if we I'm can having be an help. issue and I would love some. And they'll always say to me, like, I'd love some advice. And I'm always, and I say the thing I said at the beginning, it's not advice. I'll give you wisdom because advice is what I would do, which may have nothing to do with you. Wisdom is, here's what I went through and experienced, and I'll share that. Because advice comes from the head. Advice is all up in here. Wisdom comes from the heart. Wisdom is just my experience. Now, Eric, would you agree? One thing that's, I think, different, right, from when you were in need and looking for mentors, even for me when I started, because I was in college just when internet and email was really like, coming, well, maybe not internet, but email was starting to come into play. I think now with YouTube and all these platforms, it makes it easier because you could almost find somebody that you align with. 
not even know them and have a one-on-one relationship with them yet, follow them for a bit, get to know them, see if you align with them. And then maybe it's somebody that you could potentially reach out to and have that conversation. Don't you think that's opened the doors tremendously for our youth to look for and find mentors in that way? Absolutely. And I will say this though, it's a double-edged sword right? Like everything, there's an opposite, right? There's an equal and opposite. So while it does open those doors and you will have contact with these amazing people who you might otherwise never have seen, there is the, I won't use the word danger because it's not really a danger, but there's a limitation I'll say on, well, I watch their videos and I read their posts and I see their things. So I'm getting enough from that. There is something to be said to have this face-to-face talk like you and I are doing right now. And one-on-one and let them know, like, not just, a lot of this is general, like they're putting out general information. That shouldn't replace it. It could augment, could enhance it. But having that one-on-one dialogue is by far much better than just following somebody, so to speak. Right, because they're getting into your world. They're getting to know who you are. And that's what we want. I mean, I need to know you. When I start to mentor somebody, I have, I don't want to call it an intake because that makes it formal. I like to keep my mentoring I have professional mentoring where I have executives and teams and those kind of things where I'm paid to come in and do this kind of thing and go through my programs and stuff. But I also have the informal mentoring where there are typically in in my life, it's been young men. And it's probably because I relate to them. They relate to me. That's where I came from, that kind of lost, rudderless, need the thing. So I tend to attract that kind of young man or even you know older guys, guys that are 40s, 50s will come in and we'll have some conversation, but I do an initial conversation with them where I like to get to know who they are. How did you grow up? What's going on? Because then I know what stories and experiences of mine I can share with them that will move them forward rather than like this pre-done programmic, I've got this, here's what I'm doing. It becomes way more intimate. Mentoring is intimate. It's And if I can, Larry, there's a great way to describe it. And this may really kind of lock it down for some of the listeners that are out there. My mentor is mentored himself. He's been doing his work 30 years and his mentor has been doing it 60, right? So, and then now it's passed on to me. And one of the things that was relayed down those lines was there are three levels of a relationship, any relationship, three levels. And the first is the companion, the friend. Right. So Larry, you and I are friends. We hang out once in a while, but I have no responsibility for you. I'm not there to guide you. We're just hanging out. We're watching the game, having a few beers, doing that kind of thing. We're just friends, companion or friend. Next level up is the guide or the steward. And that's where I am actually taking on the responsibility of guiding you in life. So I might be a mentor and I'm the example and I'm staying in integrity and all these other things. And I'm the example to you, and I'm a role model. This might be parenting, right? My job as a parent is to guide this young person along the path of life. So that's the second. The third is the guardian. Now, the guardian is the one that's the toughest. This is the one that's got to put a boot in your butt when you get off the path. So now I'm on the path. You've been mentoring me, but now I start to stray and I'm doing things that are a little out of integrity, maybe not fully honest, maybe not towards my purpose, maybe not with intention. I'm being run by personality and I'm all over the place. Now the guardian comes in and get back on the path. 
That's the toughest thing to do. And that's the one most people can't do is take out the sword, be the guardian, get you back on the path. But it's essential. So those are the three levels. So the mentor really is the guide and the guardian. And I call it the guardian's heart. You do it out of love for you. I don't want you to go mess up or screw up down the line, injure yourself or others. My job from love is to do whatever it takes to get you back on the path. Let's talk about this from a business owner, entrepreneur standpoint, right? What advice do you have for whether I'm a business owner, entrepreneur, and I want to invest in my people, the stakeholders of my organization? How do you go about creating a mentor program that's sustainable and uplifting to the organization? Excellent question. I love that question because there's a few ways to do it. There's no one right answer. It's whatever fits your organization. Larger organizations, they tend to need to have something formal in place because they're larger, right? Smaller companies, and I've done this with like real estate agencies, insurance agencies, where there's typically someone way more experienced and they're bringing in people that are new to the industry or want to be better in the industry. And really it comes down to this. The sustainable part is the key thing, Larry. I love that you brought that up because, again, those studies and statistics that I went through at the beginning, they all show that the mentoring programs, the majority of them die off after a little while, okay? And part of that is because they don't have a foundation, an absolute sustainable foundation. So in other words, they say, yeah, we're going to do a mentoring program. We want you guys that have been here for a while to take these guys under your wing and guide them along the path. Great. That works for a little while, but you need to have a foundation of what is it your mentorship is based on. So for me, when I go into a company and I help them put these things together, it's my what I call the four foundational archetypes, which is the warrior, the lover, the king and queen, and the hero. And it's stepping into each of those archetypes at different times. And What do they look like? And what are the characteristics and ideals of those? And then I have a set of core values. And a lot of companies have core values. People have core values. We call ours the sacred seven. And they are courage, honesty, integrity, commitment, duty, honor, love. Now that's a pathway. Are you living in those every day? And it's a litmus test for me. If I'm going to do a project or a talk or work with a client, does it align with all of my core values, right? So those two alone really form a foundation for what it is. So you find that for yourself. What are we looking to do? What's our objective? What's our vision for this? And then getting it in. Having that foundation is key. And secondly, you've got to find the mentors. Because mentees, and again, done studies, statistics, where right now, millennials and below, I forget what they're called, digitals, millennials and digitals, they really want to excel at what they do. They're looking for guidance. I think something like 90 something percent of them when surveyed said they want to be in a job with a company that cares about their growth and wants to move them forward. So finding the mentees is easy. Mentors is different because a lot of people feel, like you said, there's a pressure. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have enough to offer. I don't have enough time. Time. It could be a few texts, right? Here and there. But really giving them like a ground, not what we had the groundwork, right? Then the next part of the framework is, okay, Larry, so you would like to be a mentor. We'd love for you to mentor some people. Here's some guidelines for you. 
right? That we've put down. You're not there to be their friend. You're not there to try to be, you know, their champion in the company and get them promoted. You're there to guide them within the company. And here's what that looks like. So having that framework so that when a mentor gets it, they're like, okay, I can follow this. And then the third thing I would say is have milestones and celebrations because that gets everybody motivated. So I had a long list of these at one point I was giving to guys that wanted people that wanted to mentor. And it was simple things like acknowledging them at a team meeting. Hey, Larry just made it to his six months being mentored. This is what he's achieved. It's been fantastic. Celebrate the wins, right? We love to celebrate victory. I think we have a tendency to overcomplicate that, thinking that it has to be this big elaborate celebration and it does not necessarily need to be that elaborate. Very, very simple. Just an acknowledgement at a meeting or on a Slack channel, just like, hey, here's a thing. It could be little things like a lunch. You could take your mentee to lunch, right? I'm going to take you to lunch once a month or something. Very simple. So those three things really can help, whether it's a formal or an informal mentoring. That really can go. It's easy. It's easier than you think it is. Let's tie this back a little bit, right? We talk about a lot here, and I often say culture is king. 100%. I really believe that. And I I may be taking that from one of our previous guests, Dan Cockrell, who was a VP at Disney for a number of years. So he understands what culture is. He actually wrote a book, I believe, Culture is King. So I talk about that all the time. How do you feel if I'm an entrepreneur, business owner, how can having that mentor program benefit the company culture, right? Because I think to your point, the younger generations are looking for that uplifting, really good company culture. So how does this integrate and how does the mentor program help that culture? There's a number of ways that it does. First and foremost, it shows those people that are looking for a great corporate culture, it shows that you really care about them as an individual and their growth and that you're investing in them becoming the best that they can be. That I find in and of itself is a wonderful thing. And they found that companies that have mentoring programs, whether it be formal or informal, their retention rate is far greater than companies that don't. And I think it is because of that culture. And another thing that I found, which is really fantastic, is it gives you a way. So I've seen this with women, with minorities, where if there are people who are like you that are at the company, and they become a mentor to you you get seen. You feel like the company has seen who you are as a person. And I know that there's somebody at the company who's just like me who succeeded. And now they have a vested interest in me succeeding. So all these companies right now, this inclusion and, and all these, these initiatives that they're doing, mentoring to me is one of the most powerful because it really says at the most developmental level, we see you. We have people here who are just like you and they have excelled and succeeded and there and we are now invested in you succeeding. That really lends itself to a culture. People feel included, part of something seen, heard, valued, which is really the key thing. You want them to be valued because then they'll bring infinite value to your company. And feel this, Larry, it's more than money, right? Our old school look is, Hey, if I'm going to motivate you at my company, I'm going to motivate you with money. I'm going to raise your salary. I'm going to give you a bonus. That doesn't work, quite frankly, because then, then the next company that motivates them with money to leave you, then they're leaving. 
because if that's their main motivation for us as an organization, that's not a good fit. We want to create that culture to make people stay and not just look at it as a paycheck, but as a lifestyle, as a commitment to the families that we serve, that we're doing good, solid work that we could be proud of. There you go. And I have a great story about that. I was coaching a guy who was a real estate broker and he was building his brokerage and wanted to put in place mentoring. And so he was going to be the key mentor and invite these young, just out of real estate school agents into his company. And his thing was, I will bring you in. I will train you. I will give you my wisdom for two years. And at the end of two years, if you want to leave and go start your own brokerage, I will then mentor you on how to start your own brokerage. And the response that he got back more often than not was, if you're going to mentor me for two years and help me build up to where I can become a broker, why would I leave? At the same time, though, right, he put himself on the line because if he didn't do what he said he was going to do, then they would ultimately leave and start their own brokerage. If he followed through on what he did, though, the chances are that they would stay committed to him and, and the organization, I would imagine. Right. And feel this also. If And you're right. People are going to leave anyway. This is why I tell people like, well, why would I do this? They're going to become better and then they're going to go off and get another job or start their own company. And I'm like, they're going to do it anyway. And you rather have them do it going, wow, Larry, I, you know, I appreciate everything that you did for me. I owe you guys everything. I want to stay in contact. Let's keep it. And, and then they're not a competitor trying to crush right. you. There's someone else in the space and they appreciate and honor everything that you did for them, which to me is far greater than having somebody leave under adverse circumstances and want to just, you know, I'm just going to go head to head and take all your clients and do, you're creating it in the negative. You might as well create it in the positive because they, listen, we're human beings. A lot of motivation for a lot of human beings is they want to do their own thing, right? We want to build the independence and go off on our own. So they're going to do it anyway. This leads into what I wanted to talk about next, right, is passion and purpose, I think, are two really key drivers for a lot of people, right? And I think when you talked about earlier about the seven principles and talking about creating a mentorship program, a lot of that has to be driven around passion and purpose. There are also a lot of people, and this may have applied to you at your early age too, I think there are a lot of people out there that don't understand what their passion and purpose are. I talked about this in my book, Financial Planning Made Personal. We talked about in order to have a financial plan, in order to understand what you're working towards, you have to understand what your passions are and what your purpose is. It's not just, hey, I'm going to save money to retire one day. Well, what are you looking to do with the money is the ends to the mean? And we talked about that a lot. And I think this ties in right here to mentorship too, because when you go into that relationship, you have to know what your passion and purpose so that the mentor can help guide you in those areas or experience share in those areas. So if I'm walking around today and I'm like, hey, I don't know what these guys are talking about. I don't have necessarily a true passion or purpose. How do people go about kind of figuring that out? Is there a process for that? Yeah. And you know, for me, I don't really use the term figure it out or think about it. When my girlfriend and I got together at first, I say, well, I'll, let me feel into it. Or how do you feel about that? She's like, what are you talking about? Like, just, I always say, think about it, but really it's a feel. And I'll give you some examples. And especially because it's a money mindset. Many of my clients, my personal one-on-one clients are 
men, like I said, but they're also very successful men, millionaires. And they're millionaires and they come to me because they're miserable. And it's because they thought if I make a lot of money, that's the answer, right? But money is just, like you said, it's a means to an end. I would say it's just points on a scoreboard, right? Because for a lot of people, it's ego driven. I just have to have more points than you. And then what happens is they get to a point in life where they look around and they go, well, I have a big house and I have a car everybody envies when I drive around in it. And we go on crazy vacations and I have all this money in the bank, but I'm miserable. It's because that's never going to fill this heart. It's never going to fill the heart. So passion and purpose do. So for a lot of these guys, it may be a change. Hey, I made enough money. Now I'm going to go, you know, I'm really passionate about music. I'm going to take my guitar and I'm just going to go play in clubs at night and bars and enjoy myself and play my guitar and be passionate about it. Or art is my passion. And on the weekends, I'm just going to go into the garage and build a studio and I'll paint. And that makes me really, that fills me with joy and passion. And for others, for myself, I was making really, really good money when I was working with that financial publishing company, but I just couldn't do it anymore because it wasn't my passion or purpose. And I knew my purpose was working with people on just this. For some people, you may find purpose in, wow, I own the company. I'm making a lot of money. Things are successful. I'm feeling empty. But when I have a conversation with a really motivated, driven, ambitious young person, God, I feel alive. I feel amazing. So that mentoring may just be it for you. Give that a shot because pouring value into another human being from love, from the heart, without an agenda, without trying to get anything from it, without training you so you make me more money. When it's just, hey, I just want to do this. That I have found alone can help in that passion and in that purpose. And then that may lead to something. Who knows? You may want to retire and go open a summer camp or work in a camp or a school or hold classes, financial classes for young people to show them how to manage money well. You, you never know. But it could that to me, it's going to be that lead. I don't even believe in retirement. I think we have to kind of get rid of this construct where you go work for 30, 40 years and then enjoy life. It should be something that is enjoyed inherently along the way. Yeah. I have a great story on that. Before we move on, I got to tell you, we just moved a few months ago. And our community that we live in now has a number of retirees. And they're always asking me, well, when are you going to retire? When are you guys going to retire? Like, we're retired. Why aren't you retired? And my answer is always, retire from what? What am I retiring from? If I left a job, I'd be doing this. This is what I'd be doing. So what am I retiring from? I mean, I- It doesn't really have to be that defined, right? No. I mean, look at the people we know that are like- in broadcasting or in art or in writing. And they're in their eighties and nineties and they're not retiring. They're doing it until the wheels come off. Right. I call it work-life harmony. There's a way that if you can integrate your work and your life and have harmony, it's really not work. No matter what you're doing, it's something you enjoy and it's not work in air quotes, right? Yeah, I call it work-life integration. Same thing you do. Work-life integration, just one and the same. So you talked about joy earlier and we're all about joy. And we ask each of our guests one final question. And this has been great thus far and a lot of nuggets in here for our listeners. And that is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Well, I'll tell you, I have a daily meditation practice that I do. It's a dynamic meditation. So it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting in a room with a candle and 
oh, and that kind of thing. <laughs> this is something I learned from my mentor, and we developed a little bit extra one for men. So we call it lion stalking, and it's an active meditation where your attention is out. So you get out into nature, and your attention is out the whole time. So you're like a lion stalking prey. So you're looking, you're a bird. I want to find that bird. Where is he? If I smell something, like somebody's cooking or has a fire, where's it coming from? What direction? Colors of the trees and the water. And can I find animals screwing insects on the bark of a tree? And to me, that's joy because it's becoming one with nature. It's getting present in today and doing that in the morning and then added to it. There's a bunch of guys in my complex that are retired that go work out first thing in the morning. And I kind of tag along with them now. I used to do it at the end of the day as a stress relief, but I find doing this in the morning and having that kind of connection with these guys and going to the gym, being on purpose, having that meditation done, I'm set for the day. Like I'm ready to roll. You know what I mean? So to me, that's the most important thing. And it brings me joy to do that. Great stuff. So listen, I know that, and we're going to have all your information in the show notes. I also know that your book, Lions Raised as Lambs, is coming out spring, summer of 2023, which we'll have that in the show notes as well. But if people want to learn more about Eric Rogel and what you do and how you work with companies and individuals with mentorship, what's the easiest and best place for them to find you and learn more? Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate that a lot. It's ericrogel.com. So it's E-R-I-C-R-O-G-E-L-L.com. That has all the information on there on my speaking, on workshops for doing one-on-ones, the books, podcast appearances, all that kind of great stuff will be on there. And then look, I tell everybody all the time, I'm all around about boldness and courage. That was the thing I learned back when I was in college. And I took that one step to go into that Taekwondo class, scared to death, but did it anyway. So I'm on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn because it's for the time being anyway, it's a more professional sort of social media. And I tell people, hey, reach out to me on there. Send me a DM. Let's have a conversation. Do a connection link. Let's talk. I love people that do that. And I'm happy to answer any questions you have on mentoring or wisdom or any of those kind of things. And that's my big joy too, is connecting with people on there. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I appreciate your experience share today and sharing your wisdom with our listeners. And for those of you looking or thinking about either being a mentor or looking for a mentor, please look into uh, Eric and his offerings because it might be a good fit for you. And I really love your abundance mindset. So I appreciate the time and make it a great day. I want to thank Eric Rogel for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset. Eric believes that people become leaders by having great mentors along the way to gain wisdom and experience from, and I tend to agree. Eric truly understands that you are not a true leader until you have helped another person become a leader that mentors another leader. Once you do that, then you can call yourself a true leader. Whether you are the mentor or the mentee, there are valuable lessons to be learned by both. Eric Rogel and all he is involved with can be found across most social media platforms. All the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please... Don't keep us a secret. 
You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.